Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We're excited to have with us Christopher and Julia Stralka. They are the founders of Julia Hospice and Palliative, Palliative Care Center. And uh, Christopher and Julia, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate that. Yeah, also. this is an honor to be uh, with your listening audience. All right, so we're a family show. We like to get or- origin stories. Uh, uh, Christopher, let's start with you. Uh, how did you come up? And Are you a local or did you transplant in? I- I'm a transplant. Uh, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. Um, I went to college in Buffalo, but I went to medical school in Syracuse, and that's where I met my wife, Julia. Um, I came back to Buffalo, and I did eight years' worth of surgical training, both in general surgery and in cardiothoracic and vascular surgery. And I uh, came to Erie after I finished all my training, and I I practiced at uh, Hammett Medical Center and UPMC Hammett for over 16 years, before. As a thoracic surgeon, or uh, yeah, primarily a heart surgeon, yeah. thoracic surgeon, mm-hmm. vascular surgeon, and uh, after all of that time, twenty more uh, close to twenty-five years in surgery, uh, I thought maybe it was time for a for a change. So I um, I went to the Cleveland Clinic for a year, and I did some fellowship training in hospice and palliative medicine, which is what I am now a board certified specialist in. I came back to Erie and worked at St. Vincent uh, Medical Center, Health Center, uh, for about five years uh, before uh, now retiring uh, again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, uh, that's when my wife, Julie, and I decided to uh, start this uh, nonprofit corporation. And Julia, where'd you grow up? I'm from Auburn, New York. Okay. And um, my background, I don't have the same background. I was a teacher, and oh. then I was a school principal in the Diocese of Erie. And um, I was working at St. Luke's, and my husband said to me, are you willing to quit your job? I really, we really need to build a hospice facility for Erie County, wow. and, and the rest is history. So, I, I think uh, let, let's start with some definitions, okay? When you describe hospice, Julia, what does that mean? Hospice means end-of-life care, basically. Okay. Actually, it's, it's specialized end-of-life care. Specialized end-of-life specialized care. Specialized end-of-life care. Uh, what, okay, is there a distinctive there? Well, it, yes. Uh, I mean, hospice medicine is an uh, evidence-based, uh, specialized type of medical care. So the the highest quality in hospice care is delivered by clinicians who have some training and experience providing that care. Mm-hmm. So compare that to palliative care, uh, because I, I, I guess I, that's a kind of a relatively new term to right. the populace, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so by palliative care, you know, if we, if for the sake of our discussion, we say that hospice is specialized end-of-life care, then palliative care is really comprehensive, supportive care, mainly for people who have any serious illness. Okay, so not necessarily end stage. Right. Yes. So hospice is a type of palliative care, but 
It's not more all for palliative end, care. That's for right. end stage. Yes, okay. that's right. You can be any age and get palliative care. Uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, the idea is to is it to provide comfort? Is it a distinction between, hey, we're going to keep it comfortable, or this is a therapy that will get you better? Well, it depends on how you define better, right? So uh, what we like to say is that hospice, for the most part, focuses on comfort. Um, and by attending to comfort, we hope that that's going to improve the quality of someone's life who's at the end of their lives. Now, palliative care and palliative medicine, when you provide all of that supportive services, it's more likely to improve quality of life, however a person chooses to define that. Interesting. Uh, Julia, talk about um, the perspectives that are out there. Again, you're talking to a layperson who just knows very little bit about mm -hmm. this other than, I, I get the idea of trying mm -hmm. to keep somebody comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. or. or or you've heard this, I don't know if it's on Grey's Anatomy or if you've heard this in modern culture of, okay, to go, like literally they make this line between, hey, this is a therapy or uh, this is therapy to treat chronic illness um, or this is palliative care keep, you know, mm -hmm. to treat to treat a uh, chronic illness. I think a lot of people think that hospice is just for like the last 24 hours of someone's life. And you can get hospice services for up to six months as long as two physicians agree that you have six months or less to live. And I think that's a, um, a misconception out there. Um, palliative care, people, a lot of people think that hospice and palliative care are the same. So we say, well, you could really use palliative care. And they're like, no, we're not at the end of our life. Oh, right. And wow. so that's another big misconception that people have. Right. So in general, hospice is your eligibility for this specialized end-of-life care uh, depends on how long you're likely to live based on either one medical illness or all of your medical illnesses combined. And palliative care, palliative medicine, the, the eligibility is based on need. So one uh, type of care, uh, specialized end-of-life care, depends on how long you may live, your prognosis. And the other is really just based on need. So that's why I say that it's a supportive type of care, comprehensive supportive care for anyone at any age, any stage of illness that has uh, any serious illness and is interested in improving the, the quality of their lives. Tell me, uh, both of you weigh in on this, uh, where Erie is at when it comes to demand for both hospice care and palliative care. The national average for hospice care in the United States is at 4%, and Erie right now uses the hospice benefit at 2%. So how am I supposed to interpret that? Right. So, again, if you just look at Medicare uh, enrollees, so these are primarily mm -hmm. seniors 65 and older, and this is where we have most of the uh, – or at least the best and most reliable data. When you look at uh, this – uh, population, the senior population. In the United States, on average, seniors utilize a specific benefit, which is part of Medicare Part A, that pays for this specialized end-of-life care hospice care mm -hmm. at about four to four and a half percent annually. In Erie County, when you look at our statistics from 2021, and we have some very uh, reliable statistics from a 
a Medicare claim database that we were just shown actually just a few, uh, few weeks ago. In Erie County, that same Medicare hospice benefit is utilized by over 65,000 enrollees in Medicare at about 2%, so about half. So in Erie County, we utilize uh, this, this hospice care paid for by a hospice benefit uh, at about half the national rate. So is that an in indication of people not knowing about that the benefit exists, uh, practitioners not being available to administer the care? Uh, yes, know. yes. Uh, oh, I so mean, it's like all it, Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons for why, um, for why, uh, we could be utilizing this care. Like, a lot because of, if we're if we're using it mm -hmm. half of the yeah. of the national mm -hmm. average, obviously we're kind of leaving people, money on the table, yeah. if you will. We are. We're yeah. and not, not just money, but we're leave, we're leaving covered care yeah. that that fills a specific need. Yeah. So um, why that is uh, is multifactorial, but uh, to a large extent, it's fact that a lot of people don't understand mm -hmm. w that they're eligible for this care and that the care is paid for it's covered care that they that they that they deserve uh, sure. to take advantage of if they're eligible for it how much of this is bandwidth though i mean we think about uh meaning uh we think about we have a shortage of dermatologists we mm -hmm. have a shortage of uh, I don't know if we have one of orthopods or not. It seems like we have a shortage of almost every practitioner, LB, uh, OBGYN, uh, that kind of thing. Is there a shortage of those that would be either uh, medically certified and or yes. uh, just kind of inclined to give hospice or palliative care? Yeah, there's a national shortage in palliative care specialists because that palliative uh, care, or and I, I, I uh, often distinguish palliative care from palliative medicine, but palliative medicine is an accredited medical specialty. So mm -hmm. you have to have training and you have to have, you have to pass an examination like all other specialties in medicine to get uh, board certification. So there is a national workforce shortage in the physicians that are certified in this specialty. Um, hospice, on the other hand, doesn't require any kind of special certification um, and uh, there's, you know, not a, a, a national workforce shortage in hospice nurses or in, in hospice uh, medical directors uh, in the United States. But palliative medicine, that's, again, you know, it, it's, we have to keep trying to be clear in whether we're talking about hospice or whether we're talking about palliative medicine. But, yes, there is a workforce shortage in palliative medicine that, across the United States. So let's 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 uh you know before we go to the break let's kind of give the the mission statement for the Julia House uh, Julia Hospice and Palliative Care um, what what are you setting out to do uh, on a broad stroke there Julia we're trying to help anyone who is suffering at any at any stage in their life to give them a better quality of life regardless whether they can pay for the benefit or not. Is this is this interchangeable with the concept of of a pain clinic or pain management, or is it very different? Well, it's more comprehensive. So, pain management is a specialty unto itself. Sure. And um, again, it's not necessarily patients who are at the end of their lives. There's lots of reasons why patients have chronic pain and are suffering with uh, with chronic pain that require specialized care. 
the kind of uh, pain and symptom management that we're talking about within the context of palliative medicine or palliative care, again, is more focused on people that have these serious, chronic serious illnesses. And again, they tend to be older patients, the senior population. Um, because, and you probably know this, and your listeners probably realize this too, that in Erie County, our, our, our population is aging, so we have a growing number of, of seniors and older people. We have a, a growing uh, medical problem or healthcare problem with people becoming more debilitated as yeah. they age. And we're uh, the 10th poorest county of the 67 counties in Pennsylvania. So that those trends in demographics mm-hmm. aren't encouraging. And at some point, we're going to have a growing health care crisis of how we're going to provide quality care for this growing population of serious illness patients. So, Julia, it's named after you. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the actual facility. Okay. The facility is going to be, the original is going to be nine suites. Every patient will have their own, their own bathroom. Um, there'll be a door to go outside. We're going to have gardens outside. We have 13 acres of land on West Road and McCain. Oh, wow. And there's going to be family areas. So if you want to have a family birthday party, you know, grandma's. 95 years old and you want to get together you can there'll be a kitchen is this on the south side of of the road yeah i've been seeing this sign for months and i'm yeah didn't make that connection yeah that's it wow the bed will be able to go anywhere in the facility and people will be able to stay overnight with their loved one um and we've it's really focused on being with family and friends and quality of life and um i always say we have a beautiful beginning of life we're we're held we're swaddled everybody looks yeah. at a new baby at the end of the life it should be the same way talk about uh, what kind of hospice care happens now because obviously there you know there are organizations and so on and and oh, yeah. why this would be a you know additive to all of that right so right now in erie county there's seven uh, medicare certified uh, hospice providers and they're all providing uh, excellent care, uh, primarily to people who uh, want to stay in their homes and and uh, who, for whatever reason, uh, find themselves uh, needing long-term care in a nursing facility. But unfortunately, none of those seven Medicare-certified hospice providers own or operate their own either hospice house or inpatient hospice facility. So um, because of that, uh, there are logistical problems for certain hospice patients every year that need a higher level of care than can be safely provided either in their homes uh, or wherever they may be living. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where you need this specialized facility, this uh, inpatient hospice facility that, uh, that other communities around us have had, say Buffalo, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh for maybe 25 years, but we've never had a facility like this, a specialized facility like this ever in Erie County. Now, they have smaller hospice houses, and there's a distinction between an inpatient hospice facility and a hospice house. So a hospice house is primarily what it sounds like. 
it's like your own house. So it, uh-huh. it, has, it has clinicians available 24 hours a day, but if you need specialized, like intravenous medications or maybe some other more specialized types of care, you can't provide that in a small hospice house. And there are hospice houses closer to Erie. There's a, uh, the Marquette House in Meadville and the Blair House in, in Warren that are small three-bed hospice houses. Now, the facility that we're talking about wouldn't just necessarily provide uh, care for people who didn't have a a 24-7 caregiver available where they're living and and need that. So they have to be moved, like I said, often to a nursing facility where they have uh, nurses and other clinicians available 24 hours a day. But... Specifically, if they need that higher level of of pain management or other type of crisis management uh, that we refer to as general inpatient hospice care. There you need a a more specialized facility, and that's what an inpatient hospice facility will will give you. Right now, nationally, about 25% of hospice patients annually uh, need this short-term crisis management. It's not for prolonged periods of time. It's usually for five to maybe seven, ten days at the most. And then once the crisis is controlled, then the patient can be moved back to where they want to be residing. But I got to ask, because this sounds so different than the the common uh, interpretation of hospice care. Because what you hear is, let's say for uh, a cancer patient, right? Well, they called in hospice. And that usually refers to, and I, 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 I hope I'm not being beating the same drum here, but it usually f- refers to the last days mm-hmm. of, and you're saying, wait a second, we need to rethink hospice. It could be up to six months or, and, and, and even longer and for, even longer. for some patients. Yeah, that, and that's where you really uh, realize the, the, the full benefit of this kind of uh, comprehensive like, team-based were, care. If you were in a therapy, Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay, so maybe it's the second or third time around on some kind of a chemotherapy. Yeah, yeah. Is this is this a place if if you no no because so, so you're actively trying to remove the contagion and go into remission is well in that situation right. More so likely. again, so the the eligibility for hospice is that uh, two physicians who are familiar with the patient's medical illnesses. And the course of those illnesses, the stage of those illnesses, would agree that they're not likely to live beyond six months. But that, that's the eligibility. But to be in hospice, the patient or a representative of the, of the patient, if the patient can't make the decision themselves, has to elect to be in hospice. It's a choice that you make. It's not a doctor's order like we're used to. You have to choose to be in hospice. And when you choose to be in hospice care and focus on comfort at the end of your life, you're giving up the traditional type of care and benefits to pay for that care um, for the illness or illnesses that qualify you for this specialized uh, end of life. So you're basically, you're making a conscious decision of saying, you know what, I'm no longer going to take this course of That's action correct. To, to try to, mm-hmm. to, to, to have therapy that would... Uh, you know, be therapeutic, if you will, to bring me back to some kind of a, nom- a nominal state. Let's continue on on, um, you know, this idea of needing a higher level of uh, medical care that can't be provided in their home. There are, you know, people are saying they do not want to go to 
a nursing home, uh, in, in especially in an end-of-life situation. Talk about that. Well, uh, I think that uh, the pandemic clearly has uh, shined uh, a bright light on some of the problems that uh, exist in nursing facilities. And obviously the nursing facilities are extremely important and they provide uh, resources uh, and access to care that is uh, indispensable. So we certainly don't uh, aren't trying to say that uh, we don't need nursing homes, but we see uh, an inpatient hospice facility as being uh, additive because it fills a different type of need. The nursing homes, uh, I'm sure, would prefer to have more uh, patients there for rehabilitation than necessarily long-term care. Mm. And even end-of-life care. And so a facility like ours may help uh, take some of the burden off of the nursing homes, which right now are the only um, other uh, resource for this kind of care. If you don't have a caregiver that's 24-7 available where you're living in your own home, a lot of people... You know, we don't all have spouses or we don't have children that are living close by that can be our caregivers 24-7 uh, when we reach this point in life's journey. So um, a lot of times, again, you, you're out of necessity. You have to be in a, in a facility where there are, are caregivers and clinicians available. So let's go ahead. I was going to say also, sometimes people don't realize how hard it is and difficult it is to take care of someone when they're there at the end of their life it's very difficult it's emotionally and physically draining and a lot of times you know people are they just after a while they're, they're like we can't do it anymore and you know even if they use our facility as for respite to give that caregiver a break it, it would really help them all right let's talk about the facility because this is um this is still in the planning stages and the fundraising stages tell me um uh, why why you're going this nonprofit route and uh, you know is this the typical way that something like this is done well in the past um, the majority of the hospices in the United States especially the ones with facilities were started out as nonprofits okay. now uh, there is a growing trend in the United States uh, for uh, or trending towards for-profit organizations doing mm -hmm. this so uh, for us, uh, we were we were very uh, clear-minded and serious that we wanted a more of a nonprofit mission mm -hmm. because we see ourselves being a community asset owned by the community, locally servicing the needs of our community, and uh, that was something very important uh, to us in 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 crafting the mission for Julia Hospice and Palliative Care. So. For us, that was the way we chose uh, to do it. Uh, we think that if the if the community understands what added benefit having uh, a facility like this brings, especially to the to people who uh, are in need, as we've already spoken, people who don't have uh, caregivers necessarily where they're living and want to stay in their own homes, or in people that would prefer. Uh, not being necessarily in a nursing facility where they would rather be in a, in a facility where the, the, the staff is specially trained to provide this specialized care. 
Um, this is an option that I think the community, uh, if they understood it uh, and understand it, they're going to support. Yeah. And so that's why we are uh, so appreciative of getting a chance to bring this message to the community. There, There is, uh, you have to admit that where medicine is gone, I mean, I'm thinking about your journey, right, uh, mm -hmm. from an independent ho hospital to a chain hospital and so on. Um, I mean, that's where all of this is gone is, uh, you know, the Cleveland Clinic has how many clinics, you know, up mm -hmm. and up and down uh, Lake Erie and so on. Uh, mm -hmm. Why why hasn't one of the, the big guys said, hey, let's do this? Well, that, that's a very complicated uh, uh, question, and, <laughs> and, 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 and I don't I, want to put you on the spot. But no, I, mean, I, 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 my guess is is that uh, for whatever reason they they don't feel that the timing is right, or they yeah. don't or they feel that it's uh, they need to put their resources in into other types of care. Um, I, that's you know I have my own uh, opinions and uh, but I don't I don't know if everybody uh, would share those but mm -hmm. uh, but you're right I mean obviously I've been a physician in Erie County for for over 25 years I've spent my whole professional career here so I yeah. you're right I have lived through uh, the changes uh, in that time frame uh, you know in healthcare in general so you're right I mean there's clearly a, a trend and a push to consolidate. Um, and, and sometimes the, the financial structure dictates it, right? I mean, absolutely. The, the insurance company owns the hospital, owns the owns the hospital list, and owns the yeah. the primary care. I mean, it's it's all kit and caboodle, right? It, well, it is. And, and you have three different teams. I mean, I mean, that's we have a <laughs> we have an overly complicated uh, reimbursement system in the United States, and obviously, you know, this has been a problem that the country has tried is trying to address now and has tried to address for probably the last 30 years, the, do you the think rising that, costs yeah. of health care. Yeah. Do you think that health care gets palliative care? I mean, is it, I mean, is it a situation where, you know, is my primary care physician going to understand that this is the appropriate route for me to, to, to go to? Well, I, yeah, I, I do, because I think there's a lot of uh, pressure on primary care physicians uh, to try and see as many patients as possible. And these are, and w what I'm talking about is trying to offload the most complicated patients, the ones that are going to, that you can't really adequately care for in, in 12 or, or 15 minutes um, and are just too complicated to address yeah. all of these issues. And so, yeah, the I, I think there are pilot programs again that Medicare are, is is uh, piloting in different geographic areas. There's a program called Palliative Care First, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, uh, Primary Care First, that um, that is a, a collaboration between primary care physicians and palliative medicine specialists, especially for the serious illness uh, population of patients, which tend to be so complicated and tend to frequent the hospital emergency rooms because really? there's so any little thing, like you were saying before, social determinants, any little change can kind of push them uh, over the edge and they have a problem. And because there's not a tremendous amount of uh, community uh, health services available, the only option they have is to take an ambulance ride to the emergency department and, have, and try to figure out what, what's going on, right? So we see ourselves as being, again, additive in that community care space where maybe not a lot of people are, are putting 
resources and focusing. But I, I, there, the cha- a change is coming. It may not be here yet, but but other communities are further along in the transition, and trying to uh, increase the the community care services that are available. Because again, most patients don't want to necessarily have to go to a hospital unless they absolutely need to. Right. And if there's a better, more cost efficient, and better quality way. Of caring for these people in the community, then that's the direction that we need to go in. And as I said before, we've got a growing uh, health care crisis looming, you know, because the, the, the society or the county's getting older and, and yeah. more debilitated and, and, and arguably a higher percentage of them have these serious illnesses. Yeah, I think we've increased the population 65 and above 27 percent in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. and it's projected to keep increasing. Yeah, well, it's that baby boomers that, it, as mm-hmm. they've grown yeah. old, uh, they they basically have dominated every part of culture, including healthcare, as they've grown grown old. You know, when they were in their baby years, we heard a lot about you know uh, about all that, and now now they're in their senior years. Yes, I, I'd be interested in knowing uh, again the the distinction between what kinds of chronic illness. Uh, that are that are in an aging population like we have here. I mean, are we talking about uh, uh, the typical stuff, diabetes, hypertension? We uh, are. I, I mean, can you do palliative care for that kind of stuff? Well, or is it more like the chronic pain or the, the backs that are, you well, know, or the I, knees and the hips and all that yes, stuff? Yes, well, I mean, what the research and the studies tell us is that most people with any chronic illness – whether it's uh, heart failure, uh, uh, severe lung disease with end-stage lung disease, liver uh, failure, kidney failure, a lot of these patients suffer with with some type of chronic pain. Uh, Eighty yeah. uh, more percent of these patients will report some significant pain. Now, again, is it a physical pain or is it a, a, a psychosocial pain or some type of um, uh, emotional pain that they're suffering with. So, I mean, obviously pain can manifest itself in different ways. So, uh, yes, there is a role for palliative care, palliative medicine for those patients because, again, the, the care is a whole person type of care. It's not just focused on, a, on an organ system or an illness. We're trying to uh, address quality of life, and that is a broad topic, and it's a very – it's a personal type of of care more personalized type of care so yeah i i think that uh, it's not just uh, a focus on pain management again there are pain management specialists that that do that so i'm uh, more interested in trying to address all of the potential issues that someone might have even spiritual issues existential issues um emotional issues uh, you know it, it these all contribute to whether someone is suffering. And and usually when someone is suffering, they will say that they're in pain because pain is a, is a common term that we use to define mm-hmm. suffering. So, and there's lots of different reasons why people are suffering. So um, I, I do see myself uh, as trying to help address some of these, again, more complicated issues. Um, so in, you know, Across the United States, we're seeing an epidemic rise in dementia. So dementia mm. patients are going to be a growing, another growing population of patients that can benefit from, from palliative medicine, palliative care. 
weigh in on this too, because uh, we got it. We we got it. We're down to our last fi- uh, five minutes yeah. or so. I was going to say for palliative care, the patients that come to the office, they're there for the the uh, appointments are like an hour, hour and a half, two hours oh long. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not just about, okay, I'm going to treat, you've got a bad knee or you've got yeah. heart disease or whatever you have. It's about treating the whole person. But it's also about what do you want? How do you, how do you want to be treated? What, what, you know, do you want to be aggressive? Do you not want to be aggressive? And it's getting to know the patient and, and figure out what your needs are. So where do you go from here? What, what, what's the plan uh, right now, you're in practice, right? right. As as a right. so, as a, as you're seeing patients, right? right. So, right. Julia Hospice and Palliative Care, the nonprofit uh, corporation, owns Julia Palliative Care, which is a office practice, the only, the first and only, is uh, office practice in palliative medicine in Erie County. So, we opened that uh, about five or six months ago. And we're seeing patients, again, primarily focusing on these uh, complicated patients uh, that have lots of different issues, not just pain, but, but many different issues. And we're trying to provide some supportive care, comprehensive supportive care for these patients. Because right now, palliative care is only accessible to patients when they're hospitalized at the two major hospitals. But once they're discharged from the hospital, there's not a lot of uh, supportive services uh, under the, the umbrella of palliative medicine or palliative care once someone leaves the hospital. So eventually we want to move the palliative clinic to the Julia house. Yeah. So we'll have the nine beds, we'll have the palliative clinic there. But our next goal is to build the Julia house. As they say, we have land on West Road. Uh, we are fundraising every day. Um, we do mailings. We're we're going to do a big push for Erie Gives Day. We've got some billboards out. <laughs> and, yeah, we have some billboards out. So uh, we are really hoping for the community to support us so we can build this because the community needs this. And what they, kind of budget would this take, you think? Yeah. Well, things have changed a little bit. Uh, yeah, everything's of, more. Yeah, because <laughs> of, of COVID and, and obviously inflation now and uh, increases in construction costs. So, uh, yeah, our budget has um, has gotten larger, which is making the, the things a little bit more challenging for us. But, yeah, uh, even a nine-suite uh, facility with a palliative clinic and administrative offices, a facility that is something less than 13,000 square feet uh, on our property in McCain, is going to be somewhere around $5 million okay. or so to, to, to build. Um, not 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 crazy expensive, but substantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a substantial ask yeah. to the community, yeah. right? So, you know, obviously we've crunched the numbers. We've got all these pro forma analysis. We're very confident that if we can just get the, the money necessary to build the facility and get started, that once we're up and running – People will hopefully see the benefit of what we're what we're providing, and we're very confident that that patient service revenues, because it's covered by insurance and it's covered by Medicare, that the revenues generated from patient services will sustain us moving forward. So we won't need to constantly be asking the the community for uh, for donations and support. Yeah. So yeah, your your nonprofit that's listed on Erie Gives that's mm-hmm. that's a big deal and. Um, the the idea is uh, that people could, should uh, consider uh, if the, if they're in this realm of life to consider your services. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Most definitely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, participating with Erie Gibbs. We 
We have done uh, very well uh, by uh, most people's uh, metrics uh, the last couple of years, so we're excited about uh, participating again. And again, and it, it gives us an opportunity to get the word out. Uh, the mm -hmm. community uh, outreach and education is very important. So thank you so much for letting us sure. spend some time with you this well, afternoon. Well, and, it, and it, you know, it really points to the idea that, you, you know, when there's something new coming on the horizon, it takes some explanation because you're basically it's a new paradigm to look at end end stage. It is, and I think that uh, palliative medicine, if you know, in general, if you look at the rest of the United States, it's trying to distinguish itself as sort of the primary care services for people with serious illnesses. Because those, as we talked about quickly, primary care doctors have to they can't spend the time with these very complicated patients. Those. The patients still need somebody kind of overseeing their care, right? So if the primary care doctors, uh, because of uh, many different reasons, uh, don't have that time, uh, hopefully palliative medicine, as people begin to understand what it is, and more physicians like myself get the, the fellowship training or the, the training and get certified and credentialed, you know, are going to help fill, that, fill that, that need. Terrific. Again, how do we get a hold of you? Email or website? An email, or? you can check out our website, juliahpc.com. Julia's got uh, a social media campaign on Facebook. We have a monthly newsletter. If you go yeah. to the website, you can subscribe to the newsletter, even if you don't make a donation. If you want to just stay in touch with what we're doing and see and track our progress, you know, there's many ways to, to do that. You can also call me at 814-440-3275. I get calls all the time. People have questions, and we were... You are more than welcome to call us at any time. Our friends from Julia Hospice and Palliative Care in McCain, it is Christopher and Julia Stralka. Uh, thank you guys so much for explaining this. I hope uh, you found it a, re a rewarding experience. I did. Yeah, yeah thank you, thank so, you much. so much. We really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>